Welcome back to Nota Bennett. What is going on, Not Nate? Too much. We are here in Manhattan. It's it's fresh yeah, outside, man. I know. Fall is fall is falling, my dude. In the United States of America, you know who's not in the United States of America is uh, Christian Rosa or Sleepy Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Sleepy Joe's in Glasgow. I think he's on his. I think he's on his way back. Actually, um, how, yeah. You you your story on Christian Rosa, which you originally published kind of the first uh, bit of uh, in your at your former employer, was then picked up by the popular press as he was indicted. I think mm-hmm. that's the phrase we're looking for. It and is. And then you had a big follow up that dropped on Friday. You want mm-hmm. to take us through some of the high points for those those who couldn't figure out how to click on on VanityFair.com? Well, I think everyone's probably read right at this point, but if you haven't, you should. Just go read it. Basically, it's a um, sort of a look at how Christian's fall from grace was now, you know, uh, finalized. The uh, the FBI is trying to find him and, uh, you know, put him on trial for uh, what he's been ac- accused of. He's allegedly, you know. Christian Rosa, call your attorney. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, so the story investigates where he might be hiding. Um, there's good intelligence saying that he's in Portugal right now. His so, OPSEC is not great. No, no, it's not. His wife has been Instagramming a lot, sort of giving away where he is. Um, and he's also calling a bunch of people in New York and L.A. being like, like the feds can't touch me, blah, blah, blah. Like, just being like, really just uh, basically undeterred by all this. Um, speaking of near duels in the art world, uh, Inigo Philbrick, it mm-hmm. sounds like he has cut a deal with the United States government to avoid trial for uh, various wire fraud and related charges. It seems like it. I don't know what that deal is going to be. He's definitely going to be doing some time. I mean, he's not getting off easy here. But um, whatever deal he's struck, you know, I mean, it's good that it's resolved. I mean, uh, you know, the saga's been going on for years and years now. Um, yeah, I mean, and it has been going for years and years. He was obviously in hiding. He got picked up during the pandemic in some small island nation state. I forget where. Mm-hmm. Micronesia of some sort. Um, and he, yeah, he's been in jail in federal lockup, like for most of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if any, does he get any visitors other than his folks? You think any of his old artwork so. pals pop by to the federal detention center and say, what's up? I know that other reporters, uh, more in Trevor than myself, tried to visit him and have been Unable to get any FaceTime. Yeah, I mean, he, he might have been a fraudster that got in way over his head, but he's not dumb. He's not going to talk to a journalist while he's uh, sitting in the pan, <laughs> that I too. wouldn't think. Yeah. You know, another kind of a, a, a less, uh, someone who always seemed like he was doing something shady, there's an art dealer. <laughs> it turned out, guess what? Andy Bing Valmor- bong. How do you even say his name? Andy Valmorbita? No, Valmorbita, yeah, yeah. guess what? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> he you, was doing shady you shit. You were a shady guy, <laughs> but he like confessed to it and he didn't have to, um, was basically doing <laughs> similar, similar things to what Inigo was accused of, a slightly different. Uh, he looks like he admitted something that's accused. Admitted to basically taking loans out on art that he didn't have any ownership stake in or a, or a not mm-hmm. full ownership stake in, moving money around, that's selling no-no. things. That's he didn't, a big no no. Not a great idea. Who are these? But I mean, I have to say, as someone who knows a little bit about art lending, who are these fucking art finance companies that are not doing their due diligence? They're just like, oh, it says on paper here you own it. Okay, here's five million bucks. I, I mean, there must be just You feel like enough, if you're, if you're you doing know. what's referred to as asset-backed lending, you should be damn fucking sure that that asset actually exists and is where you think it is and is owned by who you think it is. I mean, you would think so, but there's got to be places that are just so you know thin that they're just not doing their homework you know and they're just being like I mean, it's, okay it, it's real money it's real money mm-hmm. so it, it seems like he's he's, he's gonna have to make civil restitution i mean he comes from something of a billionaire family background i believe you know what i mean like it, 
mommy and daddy. Andy Valmorvita and PC Valmorvita were people who I used to see on tip sheets for Nadine Johnson parties in 2012. Ouch. Uh, and I haven't thought about them uh, much recently. For, for, those, for those who understand all those reference points, that is both cutting and really inside baseball. I appreciate it. That's what our listeners are fucking here for, buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, that's it for the criminal for, for the criminal sheet. The uh, the uh, the police beat here. Slightly, no yeah, slightly less illegal things going on in the art world. I mean, it's, as far as we know. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, there, there was a there was a mayor's race. There was a multiple elections. Let's focus. Yeah, let's we, talk we, about we have a new mayor who uh, our boy Eric. This is, an, this is a pro Eric He Adams might not podcast. be a New York City resident, but he is our mayor. <laughs> He's going to be so much more fun than, than de Blasio. It looks like the uh, man likes to get down a little this bit. This guy likes to fucking party. So last night... Uh, I he likes was, to rub shoulders with billionaires. I know. Last night I was leaving an apartment at a certain publicist, uh, uh, a party at a certain publicist apartment. Um, a certain female publicist? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and uh, on our way home, we walked down Bond Street, uh, where... The nightclub Zero Bond is. I mean, is that a nightclub or a private members club? It's, a little it's bit hard to understand. It's, it's, it's something between the two. I'm supposed to get a tour of it with the owner, actually, um, at some point in the next month. I just haven't had time yet. Uh, they have an art collection, apparently. Um, I believe it was assembled by um, uh, young Sophie Cohen. Oh, that's right. That's probably why uh, um, they got in touch with me. Shout out to Sophie Cohen. Anyway, so I was walking down Bond Street, and I noticed like literally the entire block was just clogged with ginormous black escalades and i was like what could possibly be going on oh my god it's eric adams's after party his victory party and i almost decided to crash it um but i went home instead but it turned out that that uh former um google ceo eric schmidt was there the rapper job ja looking was looking there. very svelte. Oh yeah, he looked he looked fantastic. Eric, Clark, you know, actually was an invitee of mine, a guest of mine, and sat next to me at a Phillips auction house dinner several years ago. Oh, fun! Never sold him any art. Eh. He was there for the girls, I think. <laughs> but um, you know, like Forrest Whitaker was there, just like throwing the fuck down. And then I was watching some interviews today. Oh god, there's a great. I think it was on with Pat Kiernan, maybe uh, on New York One. Um, they asked Eric, they were like, do you think it's appropriate to be out like partying all night? And he was like, we got to get nightlife back going. This is a 24-7 city. We don't he need a like, nightlife czar. We have a nightlife man. Exactly. He was like, he was like, after Zero Bond, I went to Cipriani's. He's like, I, like, I wasn't going home yet. I mean, these are very specific places, though. We're not talking about like Murph's <laughs> Irish pub, right? <laughs> I mean, this is like a, this is a playground for the 1%, really. Mm-hmm. I forget what the, what the joining fee is, but I mean, it's, it's mid five figures or above. Yeah. I mean, but like, this is far from the first time that Eric has been at nightclubs. I mean, like, no, on- but he also, he's been at Zero Bond a lot recently. He has what been. my sources tell me, I, aka page six. Yeah. Uh, with the Kardashians, like, with like, just like all the fucking heads. He was at Cipriani the night of the Met Gala with like Katsumides and Elon Musk and like you know no, is this the Cipriani downtown or the, this or is the, the new one or the, oh the, the new one the new okay. one which the is one. also a private members yes, club yes. to a degree this is the Cipriani fucking I don't know South Street or whatever the, the one where, where Independent was um it's which I think is actually a pretty sick place. Like the Cipriani on West Broadway is like super tacky, and the one, you know, the big gala e ones are fine. But you I mean, I like Sips on Fifth is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's nice because one. you feel like you're in Venice in that little room, kind of just yeah, off Central nice. Park. That's a really really nice one. Uh, but I love the one downtown because it's just like you just gotta have a great view of the 
for River. those who haven't been, it's pretty me- mediocre food. Well, oh, yeah. well, well, most of the sips are not private clubs. The the prices on things make it a quasi private club for those that can afford them. The food's fine. I mean, like you get the same shit. The Tonado's okay. Yeah, the the Vitel Tonado is really good. I forget the name of the cake. The, the, the there's a very famous cake uh, that is served, especially at the London one. Um, no, they they served to me at some dinner I went to during Armory Week, and it was fine. Like the Vitel Tonado rips though. It's so good. Vitel Tonado is fantastic. A, a little an underappreciated dish, I That's, would say. Oh man, I. Love that shit. I, I kind of want to go find one right now. Well, you know where they have it at Ignacio's new spot near Christie's. They oh, have the Tonato. Yeah, know, I have not seen the Christie's sale yet, and my therapist is right by there, and, and so you, maybe I'll do a little little veal tonato, little art, maybe little I'll therapy. Join you, actually, because uh, like I would love to try that Vitelotonato. Apparently, it's like thirty bucks, which is like ridiculous, but who cares? I mean, speaking of food and food gods, I mean, my favorite bit of the coverage <laughs> of Eric Adams' after party was this amazing photo of Jonathan Shaban. Is that how you say? I his think name? it's Shaban, uh, but you know, one of the most loathsome individuals individuals in the public sphere i would argue i know he's got one of those he's, like, he's never hurt anyone but just his whole sense of being really offends every sensibility that i have mm-hmm. he's um, yeah he's he's definitely on the in the 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 bad side of the kardashian extended universe yeah yeah <laughs> i love it it's like a marvel marvel thing it really is. um and uh, yeah but this picture of kim yucking up with eric adams in a and eric wearing a really um flamboyant sports coat i think we could call that he looks great that he's my mayor well, he's, he's I, fl- like I might guy. become a vegan just because of him <laughs> not, you like this guy that far i I'm, I like not, this guy. I'm not as pro he's fucking insane, him. I but I like him. Certainly he's, gonna be, I think his policy is certainly going to be good for my pocket, so hey, I'm not going to yeah, knock it. He just it. love rich people. Yeah, New York is coming back, baby. <laughs> I mean, we knew it was, it was always here for us, but you know. I mean, like, after eight years of DeVos just being so irritating, like, this guy's going to be at every fucking, like, art gala. Like, he's going to be at all well, the This is, occurred so to me. What is, what is the first major art gala or opening that he will show up at? Should we start a betting pool? Uh, let's see. I mean, what's coming up? Like... I guess there's nothing really big, right? I like feel like a, a lot of nonprofits have still been a little bit reticent to do in-person stuff. Although the Studio Museum uh, on mm-hmm. Monday had a had that was it this Monday or last Monday, excuse last me, Monday. had their big thing, and then the Wall Street Journal hosted a really, uh, I would say, also loathsome-looking party at MoMA, at MoMA yeah, the other uh, night. God, I mean, like, do you really want to be like just like yucking it up with like Josh Kushner? Like, it sounds fucking horrible. I mean, I kind of like Josh. No, he's you a don't. lot better no, than the other don't. one. Oh, sure, but like he's still. Ugh. Whatever. It's more the uh, the the former. Uh, maybe he's still on the Vanity Fair. <laughs> maybe I'll stick away from this one. There's a certain there's a certain personality there that I'm always like, if I'm not where he is, I'm doing something right. <laughs> Shout out to YouTube Fashion or wherever he works now. He's he's doing dad duty now. So I know yeah. I saw I saw him on the street with his kids and I mean, his husband. He, they were honestly, very cute. Yeah, very very cute. I know. I know. I just um, I just like to be a hater for mm-hmm. no, for no good reason. But no, I mean like the, the, the Wall Street Journal magazine fake awards thing. Like I don't really innovator care. awards. Yeah, what the fuck? Who cares? Like <laughs> like, damn. Like like. Like, thank you for giving that to Colson Whitehead. Or I mean, whatever. I think there's a certain. Like, I think know. it's something you might get acquainted with. Is a certain um, advertorial is that or advertorial Advo, yeah. is that the phrase? I think there might be some funding attached to these kind of events that is important <laughs> for possibly. the bottom line of a, of a publication like the Wall Street Journal magazine, mm-hmm. uh, which is the poor man's version of how to spend it in the FT. It truly is. I mean, like God. Moving on, we do have the AD. Speaking of 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 the one percent we do have the adaa art fair which is one That's of the most right. elegant art just fairs. a few hours it's it, it's this one's fun because they make you pay a lot more money to get there earlier which is like man you really want to be there at 4 p.m well the interesting thing is the, the real big the real big step up or step down at least for me is between the thousand dollars at five or the 500 at 5 30 mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen i was feeling a little bit flint today <laughs> i'll see you at 5 30 <laughs> 
I just like I don't think I can get up to the fucking armory. It, right I mean, before. it raises great money for the Henry Street Settlement, which it's, is it's a, a, a great an cost. over hundred year organization that serves a homeless and, and underserved. You know what's people, really cool? Uh, Rudy Stengel donated a painting that's going to be sold at Sotheby's. Uh, all the proceeds going to the Henry Street Settlement. Oh, that is very cool. I know, and it's going to be on view at the. There's armory. a couple other cool charity stuff. The the AIDS Memorial in the West Village has a great lineup of art that's being mm-hmm. sold this season. I think we're going to get into it next week. I believe we're going to have good friend of the pod, Lock Kressler, on to break down some of the auction lots coming. Oh uh, yeah, next week or the week after, we have to go to uh, the Big D next week. Oh, Remember again? I was just there. <laughs> yeah, you were just there. I've been in a year and a half. I love I love Dallas. Twice in a month is always there. Or twice in a couple weeks is always a little bit much. But they've moved the art fair that is usually well, let's let's say the ADAA for a second before we get onto a tertiary sure, sure, art sure. fair. I've always loved it because before we had um, uh, other art fairs that took place that take place in the Armory, it was like a great size of art fair, super elegant, beautiful, small booths, mm-hmm. often small works. I always think of it. It's the kind of art that you can like that fits really elegantly in a Park Avenue apartment. Exactly. It's like that kind of scale. It fits in, it fits in the passenger elevator. Don't even need to use the service elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, you can cash and carry it if you have a black card. Yeah. And what's great is you see like Upper East Side collectors who you not only will not see at any other art fair, you won't see at any other event. Like this is like the one thing they Correct. go to. And they'll go, they'll buy one beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, they're in their 80s. They're, they live two blocks away and they just like walk to always the great, you know, every I, year. I, I will, you know, we can, we can, uh, we can bitch about the price, but you know, there's always some great snacks up there. Yes. Also, <laughs> for, for, you know, certain uh, young journalists, uh, this is this was historically a, a, a life set. Stuffing those napkins in the pocket for a little crew to say. Yeah, thankfully that's not the case anymore. But you know, no shame in being a, a young, hungry journalist. You know, who delights at the idea of some fine canapes. We will be in Dallas next week, as you said, for the fair. We'll probably do a little bit of content about that next week. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, um, you know. Uh, Everything's it, bigger in Texas. Even every, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll go a whole hour and five minutes, not just the <laughs> sixty. Um, it's super sized, Texas size. Um, some uh, I'm not sure, sad, but in some kind of like a less positive news, we had a couple of artist moves this week, but mm-hmm. kind of highly in demand artists. Kind of the top line would be that Simone Lee uh, will be representing the United States in the Venice Biennale opening in the spring of 2022. Announced that really just after a year or less than a year of of being at the Hauser and Wirth Gallery, she is leaving for a yet as yet unnamed uh, primary gallery. Well, I don't even know if she's leaving for another gallery. Well, you know, she's leaving. She's leaving, exactly. You know, it's just, I, I mean, it seems like, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, like, clearly she's dissatisfied with Hauser, even though they just gave her a big show in Zurich that looked very presentable when I saw it. I don't know if they, I'm sure they were selling everything fine. Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Hauser definitely sold them all. I mean, I, I really want to know what this is about. I like, you know, because she had just, just before she announced her joining of Hauser, like six months before she had joined the David Kordansky Gallery mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, which she subsequently left as soon as she signed up. Obviously, had left uh, Loring Augustine, who had been her longtime gallerist, uh, mm-hmm. and kind of brought her up into the world. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. at a certain point when a gallery, when a, when an artist bounces around galleries a bit, you kind of have to be the kind of, it's not us, it's you sort of thing. Like, you know, I wonder if she... I don't know. I mean, like, it was strange that she left Dave, like, two months before she was going to have his, her first show with him, and then continued to have the show, even though the work was consigned through Hauser. Like, that was a mess. And then now, you know, the show is still up in Zurich, and she's gone from... It's it just, yeah, it's just... 
I don't know whose fault it is, but it doesn't look good for anyone involved. No, no. Uh, speaking of David Kordansky Gallery, uh, Shara Hughes, a uh, mm-hmm. painter, announced that she was uh, leaving her U.S. gallery, uh, previous U.S. gallery, which was Rachel Uffner, to join the Kordansky Gallery roster. She's staying with her, her London gallery, Pilar Corris. Well, and, and her Swiss gallery, um, mm-hmm. uh, Eva, Eva, Eva Pressenhuber. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. I got the, in one minute, I got the announcement from Kordansky that they were now representing Shara's work. And then within 10 minutes, I got separate emails from both Ava Pressenhuber Gallery and from Pilar, uh, mm-hmm. noting that they were still representing the artist. That's just, you know, everyone's just dotting their eyes. Checking their, they're crossing their teeth. I here, know. You know. It, listen, I love, I love both those galleries, but it felt like a tiny bit thirsty to me. <laughs> oh come on! Um, yeah. And it's always sad when, it, when it's something we're talking about with Bill Powers mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in the second half of the show in our interview with him is when uh, a gal- an artist has really been raised up by a gallery in the way that Rachel Offner really put Shara on the map um, decides to move on. It's always a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah, and you know, I think that's happened to Rachel a few times in the last few years, also with other artists who have moved on to. To bigger galleries, and you know, I mean, that's always what's happened. But you know, Rachel's a great person. It's a bummer to see. That yeah, I feel I feel the same way about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, in happier news, a publication that featured your wedding in a multi-page spread this past autumn <laughs> celebrated one year of publication. The Drunken Canal. I know. It, Happy birthday! It to, seems like to they Claire had like seventeen or eighteen baby. different parties. I know. I. I've just been out of town, so I haven't even gotten. You're to not go to at any of those parties. I, I, I attended them via the Instagram application. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm exhausted just following Clarence oh, yeah, on Instagram. Really great. <laughs> like, you know, it's like last night they were at some Playboy party at the Blonde, and I was like, you don't have to go to everything. It's like you know, they were at Marquee. I believe, the night I believe before. they went from a party you were at to that party. Uh, <laughs> and it sounds like if you're walking down Bond Street, like I can't imagine that you were on your way to the Blonde as well. No. Uh, I, I was not. Uh, Kat Marnell left the, the party I was at to go to the Blonde and invited me and Lucy. We declined the, the very, very kind invitation. Thank you, Kat. Uh, but no, no playboy parties for us. We went home. Aw. All grown up. Honestly, kind of sounded like a lame party. Sorry. I don't know, Playboy. but but the Whatever. the videos of uh, the videos of previously in the week of the parties, um, it was like Halloween mashed up with the Drunken Canal. Yeah, it was over the top. Well, I liked Halloween it. is not my holiday. I spent it on uh, a house surrounded by six acres of farmland. Yeah, it Kingston. seems like you had a very pastoral weekend with some other people from the literary arts. Mm-hmm. It was real. It was great. We just like sat in the house and wrote, and then at night drank in the barn and played pool. And I did not wear any fucking costume. Yeah. I, I did go to one Halloween party hosted by Michael Nevin of the Journal Gal- Journal Gallery and his artist Oliver Clegg, who's a great, great. Fan. Well, always a great artist. Great, guy. I like that work. Love, love Ollie's work. Um, and he has a show up at the Journal Gallery for the next few days. Check it out; it's very cool. Uh, Ollie was in town from Costa Rica, where he was built a home with his uh, family. Uh, it was great to see him. I, I believe he's also a, a surfer, as I recall. Oh yes, yeah, big surfer, big surfer. Uh, he's 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 in Santa Teresa, which is a gorgeous surf town uh on the uh pacific side of costa rica um anyway so yeah so that that was a fun costume so I'm, party I'm, more, I'm more into the lunch not. i'm more into the lunch going uh portion I'm go- i've been going to a lot of luncheons recently not a lot of dinners i'm into it i liked it i talked to uh a colleague of yours who said that that they saw you at a lunch yesterday hosted by eric samuels is that true uh, that is true. I'm not sure if we were, we were supposed to talk about it on the pod, but I had a <laughs> lovely lunch at the new restaurant, newly redesigned restaurant at the Carlisle Hotel. Oh, how was that the Erica food? That Erica put together. 
Um, you know, the conversation was amazing, so I didn't really focus on it. I had a great, oh, okay. I had a great steak tartare. It was exceptional. Okay, um, good. I, I decided to go vegan for my entree, which was which was delicious. Some sort of um, stuffed eggplant, and uh, yeah, the food was great. The room was incredible. The service was mm-hmm. over the top, and yeah. Erica was a very generous, generous host. And uh, and what a special not not just a great tennis player, but a great hostess as well. Exactly. I haven't been to the going to the Carlisle for the food. Uh, you know, in recent years, because, you know, it's just, you go for the cocktails and maybe some of the snacks there. But I went a few months ago, um, and they uh, very graciously brought out some dishes to Bemelman's. And everything was fabulous. It was, re- like, this was just this sort of bar food. Um, but the, apparently the new restaurant is, like, there's a new chef and whatnot. And, yeah, it was know. very good. It was I, I can see it putting in my rotation for the Upper East Side, especially for lunch and, and special, special occasion dinners. Good to hear. Yeah, I, I, I hope they gave you some free food after all the free PR we give that spot I mean it's it's uh, a labor of love to give that place PR because I, I truly absolutely adore it there's no labor it's just love it's just love and with that I think everyone should stay tuned to this really great conversation we had with uh, gallerist Bill Powers coming up right, right now after this welcome back to Note Bennett Nate and I are thrilled to have writer the one and only reality TV show host gallerist Bon vivant, Bill Powers joining Bill. us live. What is going How on? How are you, Bill? bud? I aspire to be an FOP. You are a friend, friend of, of the pod. pod. I was like, someone needs to write out that acronym for me. Acronym for me. So yeah, that's cut to Ben googling FOP meaning. The click clack of my keyboard in the background. Um, we are certainly a friend of the pod, Bill Powers. Welcome. We'll, to see, how, we'll see how friendly he is. Um, we're excited to have you on, no matter what. Um, what's going on, dude? We were just talking. You are uh, you're gearing up for a little bit of travel, heading out to Dallas, where I think we will link and build for the art fair. I'm actually I'm going to go tomorrow to L.A. for the Umar Rashid opening mm-hmm. that I helped set up at Blum and Poe. That'll Great. happen this weekend. Then I'm back in New York for a couple of days, and then I'll go to Dallas for the Dallas Art Fair, where we have a Mark Yang solo presentation. It's almost like you have a real gallery now, doing art fairs. You've always done big shows, something like that. Yeah, I mean, then we're doing Basel, Miami proper, mm-hmm. like full, full, um, full booth, like multiple artists, the whole, the whole yeah. kit and boodle. That's yeah. amazing. I didn't know that. And I mean, we did Freeze New York mm-hmm. this year, so that was great. Yeah, Dallas can be fun. I go down in a week. I'm very excited. I'm bummed. You know, a lot of times when I go away, I'll look up concerts that are happening somewhere. Mm -hmm. Last Dallas Art Fair, which I guess would have been 2019, 2019, I saw Licky Lee 47 perform. Do you know? I have no idea who that is. She has that song, Money. Mm -hmm. Do you know who she is? Yeah, Licky Lee, yeah. And at the end of the concert, she uh, said, anybody who needs a hug, come up and see me at the (laughs) stage after. And she was giving out free hugs. Did, Did you get a hug? I didn't, but I got a signed uh, sweatshirt for my I mean, kid. a missed opportunity, but at least something you can bring And then home the Dallas you. before that, 2018, I saw King Cruel in concert. That's really cool. Yeah. It was very cool. So who's playing this, this coming Love up? King Cruel. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. I might be stuck at a rodeo or something. Hey, I'll go to the rodeo with you. That sounds fun. I, I like going to the rodeo in Dallas. I mean, it used to be that there was during the during 2x2, two two, oftentimes the uh, the Texas State Fair would be going down mm-hmm. at the same time, and that was always a nice a nice little... Now, if go you get some go, corny if, dogs. If, you guys go to a rodeo or the Texas State Fair. Do you try and dress to blend, or you're not afraid not to be blend. to be like an overt tourist? I, I wore my blend. I wore my Balenciaga faux Bernie. <laughs> <bomb app, so laughs> I'm gonna go with a not blending. That, definitely not blending. <laughs> I don't look good in a Western style shirt, is what it comes down to. Um, so, Bill, in addition to the CV I just ran down, which only touched the surface. Um, 
What's your background? Did you grow up in the city or around the city? Are you an East Coast guy? I have no idea. I was born in Hell's Kitchen at a hospital called St. Clair's that's not there anymore. Uh, Fifth generation New Yorker. My mom's from Hollis, Queens, uh, Mm. pre-run DMC. My dad's from the Bronx. Ah, that makes sense. And did you grow up in, in the city in Manhattan or were you just born here? Born here, lived in Brooklyn. My dad was drafted and then was in medical school, so we moved around a little bit. I lived in Fort Knox when I was like four years old. Wow, that explains a little bit. And then uh, and then I lived in Westchester for a couple of years, Hamptons year-round for junior high, boarding school, and my mom lived on uh, Bank Street while I was in boarding school. Oh, so, not yeah. far from where you find yourself these days, yeah. stomping around mm-hmm. in downtown Manhattan. Um, and were your parents involved in the arts? Were either of them artists or art collectors? Or No, my mom is a PhD clinical psychologist, private practice, oh, and my dad is a retired um, uh, plastic reconstructive surgeon. And he actually went to Australia in like 79 to learn microsurgery so he could sew your whole arm back on so yeah Damn. i mean it's kind I of a i don't fall. need that but you know it's kind of a fall far from those professions to art dealer but yeah well i mean you know when you're dealing with artists being a being a therapist is kind of part of the bailiwick i would think but you studied as a as a writer right initially no i went to school for psychology, psychology. quick question ben, but yeah how what percentage of your therapy are you talking about art and the, and the art business i mean about the art world i mean yeah. a good 30 percent 30 percent Mm. It waxes and wanes. It waxes and wanes depending on how much I'm fucking up in the rest of my life, I suppose. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I went to uh, Fordham University, which is where my mom had gotten her PhD, and I did, uh, you know, undergrad majored in psychology. But I did contribute to the school newspaper there. Mm-hmm. Two journalists love to see it I, happen. Did you? You studied with Delillo, right? No, that okay. was some like typo in the New York Times. <laughs> a typo. Like you inserted a virus into the cultural record, <laughs> like, like, my friend. Like, like it said that I'd studied under Don Delillo, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to correct him. <laughs> I mean, it had already been printed, and I was he went there. Uh-huh. That's the only connection. <laughs> um, but you, you then, you then, uh, I think in your post collegiate years, spent some time in Eastern Europe, if I remember correctly. Or is that that another kind of Christian fact that you've inserted into the record that isn't true? I lived after I, it took me four and a half years to get out of college. That's not bad. That's respectful. And I bought a one-way plane ticket to Colorado and I worked at a ski resort. Yeah, you're a ski bum. I can see that. I lived in the mountains for a couple of years. And then, um, then I came in, I worked at a restaurant called the Supper Club, um, on West 47th Street that if you've ever seen the Sex in the City episode where it's fleet week and they're like trying to pick up oh, yeah. sailors that was Classic that that was the supper club and it was funny cuz Anthony Bourdain was a line cook there like working wow. on his first book and I'm like yeah that's great Tony just give me the cream spinach yeah. <laughs> were, were you a no waiter way. or a busboy what was your position I was a waiter I was a wa- I can see that you got and, some charm I bet you got then, your ass um, pinched and, don't you and, talk shop with and, Tony and like Cal- and Calvin Tompkins son Spencer was uh was a waiter there too so wow. it, was, it was kind of a funny weird cultural mix and then yeah I started doing Doing export to Russia and Kazakhstan with a friend of mine and this um, Korean Kazakh Russian guy. Um, that sounds like some James Bond shit. What were you guys? What were you guys export? Export? Yeah. Uh, you know they have a thing in the former Soviet Union called Zhenshinadin, which is early March, which is kind of like their Valentine's Day. And I remember 
shipping containers of costume jewelry for that because no matter how broke you were you'd have to buy like a one dollar like bracelet that we would mark up to you know 50 rubles or whatever that was so that i did some uh cars some sports cars foodstuffs some sporting goods that were all legal um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I might have sold some stuff to some hunting clubs in the, <laughs> in, in the greater Almaty region. <laughs> yeah. And did you spend a lot of time over there? Or were you just the the U.S. Uh, side of things? Uh, I never went to Kazakhstan, but I've been to Russia a few times. Uh, my dad speaks Russian, and that that was one of his passions. And then, um, and then I moved to Prague I, after that business. Ended. My friend and I moved to Prague to open up an auto body shop, and we wound up, wound up working for the biggest used car dealer in the Czech Republic. This is like mid '90s. And then on the side, with my other writer friend who was living there, we did a anonymous bootleg zine called Riding Black, which uh, translates as Yezdi Chorny, and it basically means because the the public transportation there is on the honor system so you don't have to buy a ticket you get on and only if they check you do you get busted and that's called riding black so we would do something like the college issue why living in Prague was kind of like going back to school in that everybody you meet the first three days you try and pretend the next four years you don't know (laughs) everyone has a mini fridge and no one has a car so we, we would but it was anonymous like we had fake names on it, and it still to date might be my greatest um, <laughs> kind of writing contribution because there was no ego or attachment. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, Nate, if you wrote a great article, but people don't want to give you the love, they're like, I don't know, man, it wasn't that great. <laughs> so, but if you do it anonymously, it really just lives on the content. Right. Um, so that was my kind of early um, stab at Vice Magazine, Eastern Europe, European. Right. Style probably uh, in the 90s was like a thing, right? Like, wasn't it? Like, it was so fun, yeah. Like, uh, that was just like where everyone sort of went, like, after college, like, and just like sort of right. It was like a very free sort of like time there. Well, because it was only maybe four years after the Velvet Revolution, yep. so most of the people that I was encountering my age had grown up under communism, so mm-hmm. it was just such a a weird confluence of backgrounds and you know there'd be a nightclub that would have like a thousand lit candles in it complete fire trap and no and like holes in the floor and nobody cared mm-hmm. i mean that sounds amazing and you were so you started the the zine so you were you were considering yourself a writer while all these kind of all these money making projects were going on or you were working on becoming a writer was that your end goal or your dream or that you didn't you know, even speak I think out loud even or? even now like I interviewed Emma Stern yesterday for Muse Magazine. I don't get paid anything for that. I don't Mm -hmm. get paid doing anything for Purple Magazine for almost 15 years. But to me, it's never just to be a guy that sells stuff doesn't feel like enough. And so Mm -hmm. I want to contribute in different ways. And I felt like I can be pretty useful to kind of pull out stories and 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 nuggets of information from artists that might not ever make it into the public record ben i was saying to you earlier i'm aware of stories about richard prince basquiat warhol to this day if you google it you can't find them but through secondhand you know conversations i would can i tell one of those stories yeah yeah yeah. so what do you print story you want the Richard Prince story? Yeah, I saw the Richard Prince story. So Richard, I want all of them, but Richard Prince is doing his check painting show 
at uh, Gagosi and Beverly Hills, I think like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're doing that customary like staff walkthrough. And one, one of the um, directors there, because you know, the check paintings are like canceled Richard Prince checks yeah, yeah. on like an abstract field. And they're like, Richard, that, that's uh, so brave of you or it must have been such a pain in the ass to use your own banking information and put it up on, on there because you had to change all your accounts because you're basically <laughs> opening yourself up to identity theft if you have your name, address, you know, account number. Your routing number the whole routing. Double jam. And, and Richard was like, I'll be back in a minute. I need to call <laughs> TD Bank. Like, <laughs> Like, he hadn't thought of that. Well, that's amazing. That's that is great. amazing. That is wow. a great story. That makes, me like, like, that makes me like those paintings a little bit more, actually. <laughs> I always like those, but now I I didn't like say it. I didn't. That makes me like them a little bit more. Can I do the Warhol one real yeah, fast? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah let's okay. have a Warhol story. So we're on Union Square East right now, mm-hmm. where Petco is on, on, on Union Square <laughs> Northwest Corner. Mm-hmm. That's where Warhol had one of his offices upstairs. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s... I think there's a story I heard from Vincent Fremont. In the 80s, um, where Petco was, was a nightclub called The Underground. Now, before it opened, the guys who were opening the nightclub went up to Andy's office and were like, Andy, man, we're opening up this new club. We want it to be, you know, this is your um, clubhouse. It's whatever you want. Like, you know, we'll always have a room for you and, and new superstars or whatever you want. Like, this is like, the kind of like 80s Max's Kansas City. And Andy was very gracious. Thank you. That's very kind. And the guys left and he turned to Fred Hughes and said, find us a new office. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. Some kind of wannabes. Excuse me. Coming up. That's great. Um, amazing. So you come back to New York. I, I mean, I think of you, at least in my head, this might not be true, is the writing you spoke about that you still do kind of as, you know, not public service, but as, a, as, a, as an archive of contemporary art history, living art history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought of you as a writer before, um, all sorts of magazine interviews kind of before you open up the gallery space. Is yeah. that true or is that a misunderstanding? Yeah, that's true. Mind? Like, I think there's, like, Gagosian had put out a book of my artist interviews in 2013 and the earliest ones were maybe like 2004 2005 and i didn't open the gallery till 2008 Mm -hmm. so it did predate that but there's so much good stuff in in doing the like who who are some of those early interviews that are in the book i think i did jeff coons for purple in 2005 great when he told i asked him what his favorite number was (laughs) because you know like is it the is it the singularity of a basketball in, in a in a aquarium or is it you know, two kittens hanging on a, on a, on a string. And he was like, well, Bill, I have to think my favorite number is infinity. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what a classic Coonsian answer. And like, what, what other could the answer have been in retrospect? And and for a guy that often kind of sticks to the press release, like, I think that's still the only time he's used that as a quote. What a great quote to have, uh, from Jeff Koons in a hundred years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know him quite well. You've done, I think, a number of interviews with him. Is he different off the record, or is it still just kind of press release? It's not a press release. It, it's, it's like a persona. Well, yeah, that's what I, I mean. I would say, having done three interviews, they get longer and longer, because you kind of got to let Jeff go, th- like, like flow through the talking points before you can get to the new information. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what publications were some of these early interviews? Uh, uh, that in? would have been uh, Purple. Um, I Later I did some like GQ style. Muse Magazine, I think I've done interviews for them for like 12 years. Um, 
Yeah, and then some like indie. Like I used to write for the New York Times T Mag style section. Yep. I did a back page of T Mag with John Curran. Mm-hmm. I did a little thing uh, about like when Mark Gonzalez had first unveiled his sculpture at the Supreme Store. Mm-hmm. You know, things things like that. And actually, it was through journalism that got me into collecting and then opening the gallery that I remember I'd interviewed Aaron Rose at Alleged Gallery in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and. He had had some of the Beautiful Losers artists, and he had some Chris Johansson drawings that were $150 each. And even wow. though I didn't have a lot of money, I was like, I can, can I put I can that on layaway? That. You know, $50 yeah. a month? Or- yeah. So you started collecting, and, and you're, so you're, you're, you're interacting with artists. You're having these interviews. You're getting inside their brains a little bit. Mm-hmm. And from that, you start collecting. And then where, what was the emphasis of like, oh, I want to I engage in the financial folly of opening a space and showing Well, it was art. really, I was somehow advising or involved with um rx art this uh you know mm-hmm. of course great, art, yeah, art great and they were moving from midtown to the lower east side and they said well we only really need the back office space maybe you can find somebody that would want the front half of the space which was like 400 square feet and it was On like forsyth street or something yeah like that. and it was almost like a um when they made Dick Cheney, the head of the the VP steering committee, search like <laughs> like so I'm there right, and I'm right. looking and I and and I asked like Loring Augustine, hey, would you guys want? But it, I asked a bunch of galleries and it didn't make sense for a lot of people. This is before the new museum had opened. But it's right around that. It's kind of like when when the museum's being built, so there are some younger yeah. galleries starting yeah. to populate. Yeah, it down was there. when it was just kind of taking off and um and in the end, uh, I just ended up taking it myself and the second show we ever did there which was robert hawkins who's kind of part of the like david armstrong renee ricard Mm -hmm. era um our second show there got reviewed in art forum and that was like wow i can't believe that like maybe this could actually be be, a real thing yeah i could have a this is a real gallery oh shit yeah and so i mean i do like the jerry salts idea of like how do you get into the art world? You just say that you're in the art world, that like alcoholism is kind of, you know, self-identifying. Mm-hmm. Um, we try not to mention Jerry's name on here, but I like that. I, li- I, li- I like that notion. That's true of a lot of things But in life, you're though. drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which is... Because I mean, I'm, I'm right. a man of the proletariat. I know, but that's, very, but that's very Jerry, though. I think he's more of a 7-Eleven guy, it's, from what I understand, or gas he, stations. Yeah, he loves gas I think this would be coffee. a little highfalutin for him. Right. Um, so, and is that is that the is that where the name comes from? Half gallery because you had half the space. Because we only had half the space, and Andy Spade designed the logo, which is just half the 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 top half of the mm-hmm. letters. Where if you just see it on the window or on a business card, it looks like Greek or hieroglyphics mm-hmm. or something. Somewhere around here, I tried to dig it out because I know I've saved it uh, for for my archives. I have a business card from back when Matt Bangser was a director at the Half Gallery. That's true. Wow. I remember. Yeah. I remember when Matt was um briefly working as a half gallery director and he's like you know when you get those those calls like hey bill could we have lunch on tuesday and you never have lunch with that person i was like uh uh-uh. <laughs> and he was like uh i've been offered a job as a director at plum and poe and i was like but yeah okay that makes sense <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing how can you argue against nothing. that <laughs> <laughs> god bless you Matt. and Love then you, and then the thing that kind of the thing that kind of hurt about that was I remember when when Matt made the announcement, it was like 
Matt Bangs are formerly of like Christoph Vanderweg, and I was never mentioned anywhere <laughs> in it. And then I emailed, I emailed Matt, and I was like, I aspire one day to be credible enough <laughs> that you would consider adding me to your CV. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I've kept that card, I think, for just that reason to remind him about it once every few years. I think eventually I'll post it on social media for like his 50th birthday or something. That'd be nice. Um, yeah, I'm sure he would love that. <laughs> that really put me in his good graces. But you, it's interesting that you've gone from that to now you um, helping. Uh, I'm not sure how you'd phrase it. In addition to your gallery, which we're going to circle back to in a second, though, but, you know, just because we're on that, you know, you've helped, as you said, Umar Rashid and other artists become introduced to the program of the mm-hmm. Blum and Poe Gallery. I guess, yeah. Recently, I brought them... Um, Anna, right? Anna Park, mm-hmm. who they had never met before. Mm-hmm. And, well, I had curated a group show for them last October, Sympathetic Magic, mm-hmm. um, that had maybe like 25 artists. And of the 25 artists in that show, four of them they've since broken off to do solo shows with. Wow. Interesting. I want to, I want to cycle, well, I mean, I, we won't cycle back to it. Let's go, let's go with this. How does that work for you? Because you've done that with a number of galleries, either curated shows where they've ended up working with artists or you've even introduced artists um, to kind of large, you know, I would call them blue chip or, or, or I off mean, blue I chip. think a lot of times is that you, part see, of your service? you see galleries, you know, Shara Hughes leaves, Rachel left there to show at David Kordansky, right? Yeah. That like pe- things can either be ripped away from you or you can tell people like, let me help you get to as big a stage as you can handle. Mm-hmm. And if I can get a little taste of that, you know, commission wise along the way, it's not a ton of money, but I feel like it's better that than getting a bit than getting like a no response on an email. Like, Hey, when are we doing our next thing? Crickets. Right. So, yeah, and I also think that my legacy hopefully will be in the kind of, I don't know if you ever read that book, Eye of the Sixties, and I'm not saying that I I would be on that guy's guy's Mm -hmm. level, but if at the end of my run you can look back and say Half Gallery did the first New York City shows for Geneve Figgis, Oscar Anastasia, Gawa, um, Anna Park, Vaughn Spann, Tanya Merrill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's pretty great track. And, right and, and, and I think there's still, you know, like Emma Stern will be doing her first New York City show mm-hmm. coming up in the spring. Mark Yang will be doing his first. So that's what really gets me excited because whether the people go on to Almin or Gagosian or Blum and Poe, it's nice that you kind of always have that connection that on their on their CV, you were their first New York City No, and venue. it's something you've course, done a number yeah. of times, and I think it's an interesting and smart model for a, a smaller-scaled gallery to do, to be collaborative, um, and, you know, keeps you in the game, so to speak, with those artists and their markets, right? Yeah, I mean, also, like, you know, Umar is super excited about this show that he has at Blum and Poe opening this weekend, mm-hmm. and if, if you can have, like, help somebody make their dreams come true and make some money along the way, I feel like What's better than that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, w- I, I did want to go down that, that road for a second, but just backing up, you have the, the small space down on the Lower East Side, and then, I don't know, how many years later do you end up moving uptown to the Upper East Side? Like- we were downtown for almost five years, and then we moved to the Upper East Side in 2013, and mm-hmm. we were there for six years. And then uh, summer 2019... We left the Upper East Side, and then we opened in the East Village 15 days before the pandemic. 
Yep. Killer that was timing. There. Killer timing. <laughs> hey, better than better than being halfway done with construction. Yeah, 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 totally. True, true, that at true least story. I was open, sold out a Tanya Merrill show, and mm-hmm. then was closed. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a major move for you downtown, but I think even once you moved uptown, I mean, that space was like a real gallery with multiple rooms, like mm-hmm. beautiful spaces, a little bit different than it the, the kind of house. It almost office. felt more like um, if you've gone to some smaller galleries in Brussels where it's more of yeah. like a domestic mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. I think that was the vibe. And I liked it. I mean, the model is always changing so quickly, but at that time in 2013, to be like a younger emerging artist gallery on the Upper East Side, people were like, their minds were blown. You know, like yeah. that, now now it wouldn't be that big a deal, but at the time... It really was. I was like, you could, you'd be lost downtown in a sea of Lower East Side hipsters, but to do, you know... Nathaniel Mary Quinn and Luis Bonet's first New York City shows uptown in that space felt kind of out of place in a in interesting a cool way. way. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I think in a cool, I think a very prescient way to move up there. I think it was easier mm-hmm. to stand out up there, like you said. Yeah, you know, when you're walking around and and get and that's when things really. I mean, when we had the project space on the Lower East Side, I didn't have an office where I could hang other works mm-hmm. so it was it was limited in that way and really it was only moving uptown that i started to bring some of the artists i work with to bigger galleries yeah and did, did you have like a full do you have what would be considered a roster when you were downtown or were you just kind of doing not, projects not really. so that was, doing like that was, that was right? more so like one-off projects and then you know we've worked with a lot of artists for multiple years i don't ever announce who we're working with because how many times and i don't want to trash talk anybody but you look at a roster and you're like okay like that name oh wow they show that person oh they have that estate and then you get to like the fourth name and you're like ooh. (laughs) and so i felt like why shouldn't the artists get to live or die on their own reputation and that they shouldn't be hitched to another artist that their dealer likes um I, I don't know. I feel like everybody I mean, should the, be able to self-contextualize. Yeah, yeah but back in the mm-hmm. day, I mean, galleries and gallery programs were kind of like gangs in that, like, you know, people from one gallery wouldn't hang out, you know, artists from one gallery wouldn't hang out with another. I think that's very much changed oh, with, yeah. the, with the spread of, like, the transparency. And I'm talking, like, in the 70s and maybe even early 80s and before that. There are that. some galleries that have that, but but it's not the norm. Not yeah. anymore, no. Yeah. And I think... I don't know. Sometimes I'm bummed. You know, I feel like a lot of my interest in being in the art world is finding a sense of community and fostering that. Mm -hmm. And the money so often gets in the way from that happening, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And I think doing the interviews is a way for me to kind of try and um, promote that. And it could be super, like I was talking to Emma Stern yesterday for this interview for Muse magazine. And the the theme is the future. And we were talking about um, Bosch's, work Mm -hmm. and she was like if the garden of earthly delights had been painted now it'd be on the cover of juxtaposed magazine (laughs) and i'm like and that that's like funny but also shows a little bit of the depth of her mind that i think is interesting and maybe makes you look at her paintings you know maybe 30 seconds longer when Mm -hmm. when's your first solo exhibition with emma It'll be, I think, late February, early March 2022. Okay. And that's her cool. first uh, New York solo show. It's called Booty. And it's all um, female pirate paintings. 
great amazing that's, amazing that's wonderful i think she just had a show in europe with carl costiel it actually mm-hmm. opens Friend in the pod. it it opens next week in stockholm and great. i think i think she's taking her mom oh fun yeah that's so cool well yeah. Carl knows how to entertain in Stockholm too. It's a pretty good time, I have to say. I'm sure that yes. Have you ever, you ever been to one nice of those, Nate? I've not been to to. Uh, I'm not sure Carl what his PR, I'm not sure what his PR uh, junket budget is, but you should try and get on. <laughs> you should try and get on that train. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always like a Carl Boondoggle. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, I want to keep going on the gallery stuff because I think it's so interesting. And the space in the East Village is also a little prescient, I would say, and that there aren't yeah. that many other galleries there right now. Obviously, it has a great history uh, from the 1980s forward of having galleries. How did you make the decision to have that very like prominent space down there? You know, when we were losing the space uptown, because, full disclosure, it was zoned residentially and we had a gallery running out of there. Our landlord knew, <laughs> but the fire marshal came at a certain point and Oof. it kind of was like, yeah, those are kind of narrow staircase. I can see that being <laughs> yeah. an issue for him. And so I was looking at other comparable spaces uptown and anything that I could find in that price range was like a recently vacated dentist's office. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, if you're moving from this beautiful duplex um, on the Upper East side in a brownstone with great, you know, f- features, and a roof deck that I, what, what's going to be either better than that or bigger than that. So my decision was, well, let's find something that's uh, storefront on the street, a little bit bigger. And in the end it wound up being great during the pandemic. Cause we would do a couple of, we did a few shows like two or three months into the pandemic called under glass. So we would do group shows where you could see all the work in the show from the street. And then we would ask the artist to record a one minute clip about the work that people were looking at. So during the pandemic, you could be walking your dog or on oh, a yeah. bike ride, go by, go to our website, click on the artwork, and then hear the artist describe. That's what very cool. At. I like that. I, I went by all the time. It was great. Um, I didn't, but I saw it on Instagram. It looked really cool. <laughs> um, are you still doing a lot of surfing these days? I know for a while that was kind of a passion of yours. Um, yeah, I love to surf. You know, surfing in Montauk is so weird well, because the there's so many art people. Like, exactly. I'll literally be surfing and I'll turn and it's like Schnabel, father, father, son, like Lucas and David surfing yeah. next to me. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, Lucian will be out there or Luik. Mm-hmm. Um Anyhow, it's just like a funny, weird... And no one else that's out in the water has any idea. Who they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who really rips? Like, who's, like, fucking great? Best art surfing? world surfer? I mean, Lucian Smith is a great surfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas Werner is very good. Uh-huh. Uh, Jules de Ballancourt's great on a short board. Nice. I think probably the best surfer in the art world, although I've never seen him, is Ashley Binkerton. Oh, yeah, Who yeah, lives yeah. in, like, Fiji yeah, or something. That's like, he's, like, a surfer. surfer. I mean, he's, have like, have you ever done an interview fun. with him? I haven't. I don't know. That'd be but he has like a very like kind of Rutger Hauer eighties vibe. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can see you guys meshing. I don't know. I, can, I, I would yeah. like. To, I would like to read that interview. I hung out with him in Montauk a few years ago. He was like visiting from Bali, and he was just a blast. He was so chill, so down to earth. He's a fun times guy. Me, yeah. Me and Bob Colicello and and Ashley, we had a really nice time. 
that's that's a weird threesome man that's a really weird <laughs> threesome um speaking of the water in addition to uh doing art basel miami this year with your gallery half gallery i think you have another kind of cool project in the works do you want to kind of cool hint point. at what that is at all so the first thursday of december we're going to be doing what i would bill almost as like an american malaparte <laughs> let's go <laughs> on on the water it's about a mile off of uh downtown miami in a just pla- like capri in a place called stiltsville and there are these old sea cabins that i think started maybe in the 30s but mostly in the 60s that people just built these weird huts on stilts in the middle <laughs> of the water one was like kind of a little fishing outpost another was a brothel another was a gambling parlor gambling parlor let's fucking go yeah. amazing <laughs> and and there were Wait, twi- I'm gonna go to that one <laughs> there were 20 of them in the 60s but because hurricanes um decimated most of them i think during the pandemic they let somebody have a barbecue on one and the guy <laughs> who's not bringing a gas grill the guy brought charcoal <laughs> oh, and, no, so, and burned, burned one down. down and the seventh one burned down anyhow we're going to do a one-day art show where we've uh, rented a boat to take people out back and forth all day, and it'll be a group show. If you want to see what Stiltsville is, you can Google Stiltsville, and it'll be a group show with uh, Richard Prince, Mark Grochon, Vaughn Spann, uh, Danny Orchard, uh, Mike Lee, cast of thousands. I mean, it's wow. an amazing... I've seen some images you share with me, even a video. Like, it's an amazing-looking space. Uh, Malaparte is maybe not too much of a stretch in terms of the interaction between the sea and the art. Totally. Although, in other ways, it kind of is a stretch. But it looks but very cool. But we're going to have cool. Umar Rashid DJ. I, I, I want to I I <laughs> yeah. go live out there. It's incredible-looking. Yeah. It was Martin funny because when... Malaparte. Because when you look... When I was there doing the last site visit, I looked over the edge, and there was a barracuda, and I sent the... Um, <laughs> I sent the video to Erin, who's our gallery director, and she was like, anybody that asks for a discount, we just feed them to the Barracuda. <laughs> no and discount. they say the art world's full of sharks. No, can, can I take my own boat out there for, the, for, for when it's open? Can I grab the tender from the yacht and kind of toot on over? You can. I think I can accommodate six to seven boats. Um, Great. I mean, I might... the. If the Rubels or the De La Cruzes want to come, I might ask you to... To push off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nate and I are going to rent a whaler and just putt-putt over. It's going to be a blast. Um, I usually would leave Miami by that Thursday, but I think just for this, I'm going to stay and leave that evening. It feels like the right day because it's opening a day early this mm, year. Thursday so is a great day. Tuesday, yeah, a right day. Tuesday is... Um, Basel, Wednesday's Nada, and I feel like by Thursday you're gonna want to yeah, you, you do something. Hang over, you get the out only the other water. thing that I've always wanted to do in Miami, John Armletter told me about a thing called the Coral Castle. Oh yeah, that's you're like an hour this. outside. It's incredible. I, I've been there. You have, yeah, that, yeah, very very cool. That, that would be my like class trip. Yeah, the kind I'm, of the outskirts of Miami that you don't see during the art fair, the kind of rundown kind of stuff from the '60s, like you know, not mm-hmm. just the Strip, but outside. I mean, South Florida, it's a wacky, wild place. I mean, any of the recent films of uh, Harmony Corinne kind of attest to that. I think one of the Stiltsville cabins was kind of featured in the last Harmony Corinne film. Is that true? As I believe, if my memory serves me, as the writing cabin for the protagonist of the film. There was definitely some kind of a, a, a mid water shack yeah it was, it was either one of these or, or it was a set designed to look you're as saying such. in the movie with matthew M- yeah. McConaughey mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The as the poet yeah. yeah uh in the first act of that film i believe great film um i mean there's a lot more um that i want to get to but we're hitting up a time limit and the heater's going on so the sound is annoying i want to ask you know you're 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 like a very active father um i see you guys taking awesome trips um how has fatherhood affected your 
dealings in the art world, dealings with artists, um, being a gallerist, kind of what is the interaction? I know your kids are kind of to a degree into or out of art. What's that like? I mean, I think it's a nice way to connect with my kids in that if you look at what is a definition of art, it's uh, an artist is someone with the ability to embed thought or emotion and material. Mm-hmm. And so if you can share with your kids that, you know, my kids have met Richard Prince a bunch of times and, um, you know, Gigi lives with like a little uh, Rob Pruitt, uh, mother and child panda in her room. Wow. And Kit, the first piece of art she ever bought was a Rene Ricard growing up in America that is um, across from her bed. That I feel like those are nice things to hand down to, to your children. And you get to see some of that intergenerational um, play that happens in the art world, but sometimes it just we we only see it in the in the rear view. Mm-hmm. Awesome! I think that's a beautiful place to end it. I mean, there's so much more we could go on for hours. We're gonna have to have you back. I forgot to ask you what your favorite number is, but we're gonna save that for next time. Mm-hmm. Nate, anything from you before we sign out? Bill, you're the best. Thanks All so right. much for gracing us with your energy and your wisdom. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time. Not FOP out. Nota bene. Out. Fine, fine, fine canopies. Fine canopies. Fine canopies. Fine canopies.